So as many of you might be aware of, um, Pastor Greg isn't feeling well this morning. So um, our brother Mike Pagano is going to speak this morning out of the Hebrews 6 passage that we did a, a, week, a, a week or two ago. And I just want to let you know that um, over the last few months, I've been getting to know Mike, and we have a, a group of men who are also getting together with him and Greg and talking over leadership qualities and what it is to be a man in leadership um, for the body of Christ. And Mike is a man who brings a wealth of experience and um, love for the body of Christ and has really blessed my life and I know the men who are part of this group I'm telling you about um, his wisdom from the ministry that he's been in he's been a pastor for over 20 years now so he he really does bring a lot to us I just want to introduce Mike to you and he'll tell you a little bit more about himself as he comes out Mike Pagano Welcome. Good morning. <laughs> uh, obviously, you may have guessed Greg's not feeling well. He's under the weather. So I got a call Friday and said, can you, be, can you help out this Sunday? So uh, we'll see what the Lord has for us. Uh, thank you, Lance. Uh, why don't we start by taking this to the Lord? Lord, we just want to come before you this morning, Lord. We want to receive what you have for us. Lord, we, we wish to be able to meet with you. Lord, we, we are needy people. We are always needy. We're always in need of you, of a touch from you, of instruction from you, correction, all the things that you provide for us. Most of all, we just need to remember how much you love us. So, Lord, show us those things today. We pray that you would be the one to teach us and that we would leave here today, Lord, just knowing that you had met us here. And we just ask that these things be glorifying to you. And we say these things in faith, in your name, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you would, we're going to uh, backtrack a little bit. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 6, a uh, couple verses from there. Greg shared on this a couple weeks ago, but just so I'm not going ahead and touching on something he may want to touch on next week, we're going to go back and look there. We're going to start at verse 4 of chapter 6. For it is impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get too deep into this, but just to let you know, to set, set it up, uh, we believe Paul is the, is the author here. Uh, he's talking about those who have known the Lord, who have known the truth, but seems to have walked away. He goes on uh, in the next few verses to talk about what the ramifications of that are. But then he gets to verse 8. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed. And its end is to be burned. That's not a good thing, folks. Okay? Uh, it's almost a parable of the uh, wheat and tares, uh, of the sheep and goats. He's talking about, if you look at it from that perspective, goats here. Okay? Those who are going to be looking at judgment. But then he goes on in verse 9. Though we speak in this way, this is the good news for these folks. Yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. The reason why that's awesome is because he goes in the next verse, in verse 10, 
For God is not so unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you have showed for his sake in serving the saints and still do. He used this as a bridge to show these folks are in trouble. They're in a bad place. Not, not the people in verse 10, but the people in verse 4 through 8. And then he bridges that to show, but you are different. You are different. And one of the proofs that he shows is because of their love for one another, for the saints. And he says, not overlook. I like the way the NAS says it. It's not forget. So overlook, forget, they mean the same thing. He is faithful not to overlook, not to forget everything that you've done in loving the saints, ministering to the saints. Uh, I have three grandkids. Uh, I have a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and a six-month-old. And they're the highlight of my day every day. Uh, but I doubt that this is going to surprise you, but sometimes they're kind of in their own world. Okay? They're not necessarily uh, aware of everything else around them. Okay? Uh, their parents, my daughter and son-in-law, feed them, clothe them, protect them, uh, take care of every need. And uh, sometimes Grandpa gives them chocolate milk on the down low or a piece of candy, or if we go to Target, they know where that dollar aisle is. Okay? They want to get that toy. Okay? Um, with all that said, I have yet to hear them say, thank you, guys, you're splendid parents. Thank you for keeping us in the lifestyle that we've grown accustomed. Okay? Appreciate all you've done for us. I don't know why, but they've never said that. I really do know why. Because they're kids. We can't expect them to. We know they appreciate their parents. We know they love their parents. And you know what? There are those times whenever they say, I want what I want, and I want it now. Okay? <laughs> Kids. But they, again, they do say thank you. They love their parents. They appreciate that. But just, they don't yet know what it means to be appreciative of the things and grateful for all the things their parents do. If you would, Luke chapter 17. We're going to go there beginning at verse 12. As he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Stop there for a second. You have to understand, leprosy at that time wasn't curable. There was no cure for it. Okay? It was in the Levitical law that you would go and show yourself to the priest to see if you were actually cleansed, if you were healed. But there was no cure. So this was a, a pretty awesome thing that the Lord was doing for them. A thing out of, he was having so much mercy and grace as to literally tell them, go and show yourselves because I'm going to heal you. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, remember that. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now Jesus wasn't putting him down here. You have to understand the Samaritans were really looked, not only looked down on, they were even actually probably hated by most Jews. They were looked on as second-class citizens. Uh, and Jesus was saying, even this man who you have such low regard, regard for, a person that in some instances they even have a saying that says, thank God I wasn't born 
a Samaritan, I wasn't born a woman, or I wasn't born a dog. Now, that's pretty heavy, but that's what they would say at the time. That's, that was their mindset. And he's saying, this man who you have such, again, low regard, he is the only one that came back to say thank you to me. You should have known better. Okay? And because he pointed him out to be a foreigner, I have to believe that it's very possible that those other nine were all Jews. They should have known better. Okay. How often do we simply forget to stop and thank the Lord for his goodness, mercy, and grace to us? That's a challenge for all of us. It was as I was doing this study. How many times do I just say, oh, great, it worked out after I prayed for something and not stop and say, wow, Lord, you just did that. Okay? I do do that, but not as often as I should. I think that's probably true of all of us. He also tells us he sees, he remembers, he never forgets. Well, God can't forget. You have to understand that because he's God. He can't forget. But what he's telling us here, he chooses to remember. Okay? He chooses to remember. He chooses to hold that in that, in that sphere where he says these are blessings. Okay? He tells us in other verses that I collect your tears in a bottle. Okay? He's saying, I know what you do. I see what you do, and I'm putting that on your account okay? for treasure in heaven. It's opposite of how he views our sins. See, again, he doesn't forget our sins, but he chooses not to remember them. He says they're as far as east is from west. Okay? I'm sure you've all heard that analogy. If you go north, keep going north, eventually you're going to go south. Okay? It's gonna, you're going to come back. You go east, you can go east forever, and you're never gonna, it's never going to become west. And that's how far his sins, our sins are, according to the Lord. That's awesome. And he says, but I will remember what you do. There's a saying in the world, especially in sports, after somebody's done something, they get to the place where they ask, okay, but what have you done for me lately? If you haven't ever used that terminology, I'm sure you probably even thought it. Okay? You've had somebody that's a friend, family member, somebody you love, and as soon as something happens where they... They make you mad or they make you angry. Okay? You, came to, you can kind of forget how they blessed you in other ways. Okay? All you focus on is what's made you mad or angry or hurt you that, at that moment. Isn't it awesome that the Lord doesn't do that with us? He, says, he doesn't say, yeah, you loved on the saints, but eh, look how many times you didn't share with somebody or you didn't minister to them. Okay? He said, I'm going to remember the times that you were obedient, that you did it in love for me. See, that's a promise. Even when we're not faithful, he is. Again, back in Hebrews 6.10, it says, the work of your love that you showed for his sake and serving the saints, and still do. What he's talking about here is what's in our heart. It's a frame of reference that we're doing these things out of love for Jesus, out of love for our brothers and sisters. In Matthew 25, beginning at verse 34, we're told, Then the king will say to those at his right, Come, you who are blessed by the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared from you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. 
I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? Feed you, or thirsty and give you drink. When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king answered, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Again, reference, frame of reference. Now, I'm amazed that these people said, when did we do that, Lord? <laughs> That's not a bad thing, because they were doing it out of genuine love. Okay? They were doing it because they loved the Lord, but they were doing it out of genuine love. And they, didn't even, they weren't sitting there thinking, okay, God says, I've got to love you, so I'm going to. No, it was out of genuine love. And how often have you, or if you haven't done this, I pray that you'll allow yourself to be in that place where God can show you, where you can say something so simple to somebody, just even a simple word of encouragement. And if the Lord chooses, he can have them come back to you later, maybe even years later, and say, you remember when you said that to me? The Lord used that to speak to my heart. That's the opportunity that we have to love on his people. That's what he's saying here. It's like you, didn't, you weren't focused on this is a job for me. You were focused on doing it out of natural love. Okay? So you didn't, need, you, know, you didn't even notice. Okay? It wasn't that you were counting this like, oh, got that one. Okay, I got that one saved in heaven. Okay, I did this. I got that saved in heaven. No, if that's your motive, then guess what? It's not relationship, it's religion. Okay. And we're going to, excuse me, Mark 9.41 first. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. It's a good thing I wasn't writing the, the, the Bible because if I was going to say something, I'd say, Remember whenever you died to self, when you were ready to, to be a martyr for, for me. Okay. No, he says, whenever you give a cup of water to someone who's thirsty, okay, the Lord counts that. Okay. There's a reason why he uses something so simple, because it, it is simple. It's simple. Okay. Just love on one another. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning at verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and all I have, and I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have to deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. We have to make sure we understand this distinction. Even good, helpful actions towards a brother or sister, like those described in Matthew 25. Give me food, drink, welcome me, clothe me, visited me. Was in prison, you came to me. If you're doing it without love, it's nothing but a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. You know what that means? Sounds good, but it's not. It's, you want another word? Religion. If you can be a religious person and do those things, you can be a religious person that says, I will commit okay, 
to go into all these doors and knocking on all these doors and telling people they need to be part of the kingdom. You're doing it out of work. That's not what the Lord's talking about. He's talking about doing it out of relationship, out of love. Okay? That's where the rewards come. That's how you please the Lord. That's how you get blessed. Again, are you seeing this? It's perspective. It's how we view Jesus, how we view each other. Okay? He also says in Hebrews 6.10, not to overlook your work. There's a reason why he put those two words in there, your work. In case you don't under- know this, I'm going to give you a revelation knowledge right now. Sometimes it's work to love on people. Okay? It's not always easy. Okay? Sometimes it's hard. Okay? And he said, your work. Okay? Luke 6.32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? That sounds pretty harsh, huh? But he says, for even sinners love those who love them. If you good to those, if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Here's where the rubber meets the road. But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Don't expect love and gratitude back all the time, folks. If you get it, you know what you can say? Praise the Lord. (laughs) But if you don't, don't be discouraged by it. Don't let it stop you from loving. Lord doesn't say, love those who are easy. He says, love everybody. Okay? Show love. Be love to people. Let them see Jesus in you. Again, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, but you, are, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. We display the Lord by our love for other people. They, people see Jesus in that. But he said something right in the middle of that that's really important. Just as I have loved you. You know what that does? It raises the bar real high. Okay? That's a whole nother sphere we're getting into now. Okay? If we have to love people the way Jesus loved us, that means unconditional and sacrificial. How easy is that? (laughs) It's not. It's not. Again, the frame of reference is Jesus. For Jesus, through Jesus, Jesus in you. Genuine love, understand this, please. Genuine love isn't what we want to do for somebody. Did you catch that? Genuine love isn't what you want to do for someone. Genuine love is realizing what they need and ministering to that need. Early on in my, in my walk, there was a brother that came to me. I was having some financial difficulties and just, you know, stressing over it, and I, and I shared this with him. And the response was something like, <clears throat> well, you know, brother, 
In Psalms, it says, I've never seen the brethren go begging for bread. Okay. Got to work it out. And walked away. Like, okay. <laughs> That's true. But what I was looking for was someone to encourage me. Not someone to give me money, but someone to encourage me and someone to say, you know what, let me pray with you. Okay. Or I will continue to pray that the Lord meets that need. Okay. Because it wasn't something I did in sin. It was, it was a circumstance that that I had no control over that brought me to that place. So again, he was trying to give scripture and use that as, well, I'm just going to meet that need right now. I saw a need, so, you know, I'm not trying to judge his heart, but it's not what I needed. I've seen and experienced situations where someone comes and says, you know what, my marriage is really in trouble right now, okay? This happened, and I've heard things like, Kick the bum out. Get rid of them. Okay. That's not what the person needs at that point in time. Okay. They need a touch from the Lord. They need encouragement. Okay. That's our goal. That's our calling. That's the requirement the Lord has for us, to give them, to allow the Lord to show you what they need and give them what they need, not what you want to give them. Okay. Does that make sense, folks? Now, I know nobody's ever been here, but you ever thought someone was unlovable? Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's the way the Lord wants, to look, wants us to look at it. I think we can see them as hard to love, okay, but not unlovable. People can seem to reject our love, the love of the Lord we want to give them, but that never is a, is a reason or an excuse to stop loving them. Aren't you grateful that for those of you who weren't born and raised in a Christian family, aren't you grateful that there was a point in time when the Lord never stopped reaching for you, and never stopped chasing you, and never stopped look, trying to get you to understand his, your need for him? How many times, I know, I look back, how many times I rejected the truth that the Lord put before me until he finally got a hold of my heart, and it's been awesome since. But there are people who are hard to love, okay? But again, our, our perspective needs to know, how do you want me to do this, Lord? 1 Corinthians 9.22. To the weak, this is Paul speaking, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. He was simply saying, I had to meet them where they were. That was my heart, to meet them where they were, to bless them where they needed to be blessed. Okay. Why? For the sake of the gospel, that I could share the blessings of the gospel with them, the knowledge of who Jesus is. That's God's plan and purpose for us, to love people. Okay, Mike, sometimes it's hard. How do we love people? Well, we don't have enough time today. I know Greg told me we didn't. We don't have enough time today to go over all the ways we can. But just to give you a couple examples, if you're a soldier out in the battlefield and you get injured, or better, if you're a fisherman and a, or a hunter and you're out, there are a few places in Alaska where you can go where you're not really around other people, right? Okay, You can find those spots. 
and you get hurt, you know what? It's no comfort to you to know, oh, there's a hospital 20 minutes away. They've got doctors, nurses, they can take care of me. If you can't get there, or if no one is there to treat your wounds or to help you, what comfort is that? People are afraid, hurting, sometimes without hope. What we need to do, what we need to be willing to do, what we are required by the Lord to do is be willing to take them to Jesus, to tell them the medicine, the hope that you need is Jesus. Okay. Give them the truth. Give them a reason for hoping. Allow them to know that they can be healed. Their situation can be redeemed. Okay. God doesn't always choose to heal physical problems, but he will bring a healing to their, to their life in the way that he sees fit. Luke chapter 10, if you could turn there with me, uh, beginning at verse 30. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him, passed on the other side. Here we go again. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal and brought him to the inn to take care of him. Again, I don't think there's, a, there's, there's no accidents, especially when Jesus is speaking and teaching. He brings up a Samaritan again. Because the first two, a Levite and a priest, the religious people, walked on the other side of the road to get away from him. But a man who they had such ill feelings towards a Samaritan was the man who took a hands-on approach to get in and touch and minister to this person in need. Again, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Okay. Another thing we need to remember is Jesus sometimes wants us to be hands-on. Okay. By that I mean Get in the situation. Get close to that person, okay? You don't have to physically touch them, okay? But sometimes a, a hand on the shoulder, okay? Taking their hand and praying with them, okay? Letting them know that you are engaged in concern for what they're going through, that the Lord wants to work through you to minister to them. Okay? That's important. Okay. Another point real quick. When he saw him, he had compassion, I want to challenge you because I had to look at this myself as I was stud studying and preparing. Are you moved with compassion when you see people hurting? Are you truly moved with compassion when you see those needs? Okay. If you're not, ask the Lord to give that to you. This is a heavy prayer to ask, but you can ask the Lord to let you in a small way because we could never handle it full-blown, but you can ask the Lord, help me to see people the way you see people. Okay. It'll change your life. It will. Again, it can be messy. Galatians 6, verses 9 and 10. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. 
So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. As we have opportunity, do not grow weary in well-doing. Okay. Sometimes it can be tiring. Sometimes you want to give up. But don't give up on people. Please, don't give up on people. And as you have opportunity, a challenge that the Lord gave me, I want to give it to you. When you see people, do you see them as opportunities or do you see them as kind of a bump in the road you need to hurry up and circumvent? When you see that person who you know is going through marital trials, okay, or physical trials, and you see them and they're walking towards you, do you think, oh, I'm going to go in the sanctuary real quick. I'm going to take this door. Okay? I'm going to exit stage left because you know and you feel like if I talk to them, they're going to want, they want to tell me what's going on. They want to pray. Okay. <laughs> it's messy. But are you looking at it as an opportunity to show the Lord to them and love on them? Or are you looking at it as, ah, not this again? Okay. I can speak to that because I've been there, so please understand that. Lance, okay. Um, give you two quick stories about what happened to me. I did, moved here uh, in April from Hawaii, okay, believe it or not, okay. Um, <laughs> Yes. Uh, <laughs> it was leading on the Lord, and there's a couple people back there, my daughter and son-in-law and the three grandkids who were, again, a reason for me wanting to come here. Uh, but when I worked there, I worked in Pearl Harbor. And three and a half years ago, uh, the Lord took my wife home. I was married 32 years, and he took her home. And obviously, if you've been there, that's the hardest time of my life. Okay. A month after that happened, uh, there was a gentleman who came to me who wasn't a Christian. I knew that he, he just wanted to say something. So he came to me and said, you know what? This happened to me when I was younger. I wasn't here. I wasn't home. I was out of the state. My wife was killed in a car accident. Okay? Uh, I thought I was devastated. I had, we had two small kids, all the rest of it. But within a year, I met my current wife, and we've had this great marriage. So there's somebody out there waiting for you. It's like his motive was right. He wanted to help. He wanted to give me encouragement. But because he wasn't a believer, he couldn't give me Jesus. He couldn't give me the Lord will help you through this. He couldn't give me the encouragement that my heart needed. Okay? He couldn't. There was a lady that was going through some trials, she asked me, Mike, can I talk to you? Can we, can you, maybe you can pray with me? I was on the ship, and we went to the rear of the ship, but after everybody left, where it was closed, we were sitting on the rear of the ship, and she started sharing with me. She talked for about an hour and a half, telling me all these things that were going on. I remember saying to her, but you have to trust God. I must have said that about six times. And at the end, I finally said, okay, I understand, but the only one that can get you through this is Jesus. She cried some more and thanked me, hugged me. On the way home, I was getting beat up, okay, because I'm thinking, I wanted to give her more than that. I prayed, but that was all the Lord gave me to give her, okay? When I retired, we, the military gave me a retirement ceremony on board, 
And she, she's got an awesome voice, but she asked if she could sing uh, the national anthem, and then she sang another song. And she shared with everybody that day when we were on the back of the ship, that's where actually we had the retirement, she said, Mike, sit and listen, and he gave me such wise counsel. She said, that was a turning point in how I viewed this whole thing. And I'm sitting there thinking, I can't take any credit on for that one if I wanted to. Because all it was was simply trust God. It's all the Lord would allow me to tell her. But she just wanted somebody to listen. Okay. And God met her there. Okay, God met her there. Challenge for you. When you go out to your car today to drive home, when you get home safe, stop and go, to, go stand over your hood and say, thank you, car, for getting me home safe. Okay? I'm kidding. Don't do that because it would be silly. It would have been silly for me to say, oh, I did an awesome job. Because all the Lord did was allow me to be along for the ride as he ministered to this lady. Understand that's what God can do. We're going to end finally here. Okay, one more. Exodus chapter 17, beginning at verse 10. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. Whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. While Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Awesome story. When Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. You know what that represents? Prayer. But he got tired. I can relate. Okay, We probably all can. There's times whenever you just get tired. It's like, ah, but you keep praying. These two brothers ministered to him. Notice the first thing they did. They put a stone for him to sit on. You know what's awesome about that? Take people to the rock. Take them to Jesus. Tell them you can rest on you can rest in Jesus. Okay? You can <clears throat> you can rest on him. And then they held his hands up. This is nothing we can't do. We can take those people to Jesus and we can Help them pray, and we can say, I'll do it because I am praying with you. Okay? I'll be praying for you. That's how you hold their hands up. Okay? And guess what? Victory. The Amicalites were defeated. The sword won the day. Okay? Sword of the Spirit, guys. That's what we have. Okay? Please. If you take nothing else with you, just take this. God loves you. Remember that as you minister to people, as you come across those needs. And it would be awesome if each one of us could see that and say, you know what? I am grateful that I have a chance, Lord. I am grateful that I have a chance. It would be awesome if people would say, change point northeast. Doesn't matter if they're Presbyterian, Charismatic, Baptist. None of those things are what we look at. What we look at is that as a church of people who love Jesus and love on his people. That would be awesome. And that's something we have the, the ability to bring about. Thank you.